Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, October 1st edition of the show. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GaryWCE. You can follow me on Twitter at Winning Cures for the time being until the Gary WCE thing is back. We'll go ahead and open up the chat. Uh, if anybody wants to jump in the chat, feel free. We got some things to discuss. Of course, the fellow uh, on the screen to my right there would be one Matt Huey. Matt, tell everybody where they can find you. How you doing today? Uh, a wonderful week of football. It's always a good week, oh, yeah. but we we got into conference play this week. We did. It was fun. You can find me on Instagram, Matt underscore PT underscore dip underscore MDT, this long, stupid thing. <laughs> or my clinic, Strong and Healthy Rehab on all socials. That way you can, if you have any health care or things that you want to know about, you can talk, you can talk about that. Or even injuries from here. Hey, what's up going on with this guy or that guy? We can chat. Hey, what's up with uh, with Riley Leonard? Yeah, the Duke quarterback? That looked like a was, it looked like a broken ankle at the end of that Notre Dame game. Yeah. I, I, I saw it and I, I didn't have a lot of time to get into it. I was like, okay, I need I need to look, see what they come out with. It it yeah. Seeing him on crutches afterwards, like, ooh. Yeah. Okay. Not not good. Definitely not good. Um, although I've been surprised with some injuries here lately, like uh Nick Chubb. Like, oh, that horrific thing. Like, oh, it's an MCL tear. Like, it looked way worse than that. <laughs> it did. It was like, <laughs> it looked way worse than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. As always, if you feel like supporting the uh, the channel, the show, whatever, buymeacoffee.com slash winning cures. And if you want to follow my plays each week, uh, Telegram at GaryWCE is the way to do that. Uh, of course, there's the winning cures everything.com website, the podcast. All these different things you can you can follow that, and of course the Bet US College Football Show every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. I'm over there with Parker Fleming and Kyle Hunter, and uh, what else? Oh yes, on the Winning Cures Everything channel, TJ Reeves, the uh, the sideline reporter for the Tampa Bay Bucks, does the Three Dog Thursday show every Thursday. Should be around 2 p.m. Central Time every Thursday. Uh, so he'll have different guests and whatnot on there. So make sure that you tune in for that as well. Uh, but yes, we have got to get into week five. Of course, Huey, the last few weeks we have done our CFP top five or top four, I guess. I don't feel like anything really changed. It, is there anybody that jumped in for you that you didn't already have last week? So I'm, mine last week was Florida State, Texas, Ohio State, Washington. Washington didn't look great on the road against Arizona, but I, I mean, do I do I toss Oregon up there? Just for blowing out Stanford? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like anything has been – I don't feel like anything changed this week as far as the top of the sport. I put in Oregon over USC. Okay. I really started thinking about it, watching the Colorado game. And, and, and again, Oregon played in Colorado last week. USC playing Colorado this week. Granted, you have to take it week to week. More thinking about it, look at the you know, just like maybe Oregon. I can put Oregon up there <laughs> just, just to go with it right now. And probably people are going to go berserk 
talking about that. But I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe Oregon. I'm thinking maybe Oregon can work their way up. I could, I could believe it. Look, Dan Lanning has got a roster in Eugene right now. They are really, really good. But this Pac-12 is going to sort itself out, right? Oh, yeah. So it, I, I've got Washington there, but it could easily be Oregon. These two are going to play here in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, USC I was, was going to play everybody. Like I was back and forth. I'm like Washington, Oregon. I was that. I'm like, I I, I didn't know. That's why I was thought Oregon. I was, I, I, I just I, I just said just Oregon. But but it it it, it is really hard. Yeah, who's going to come out of the Pac-12? Yeah, it's. It, I feel like last year the Big Twelve was the the most entertaining conference. Right now, it's it's got to be the Pac-12. Oh, right, and <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, about Oregon State and Utah uh, here in a little while. We're going to talk USC, Colorado, but it is every week. There's somebody that pops up. Washington State looks good right now. Cal has been uh, a bit surprising. Arizona State, I never know what to expect from that team week to week. I mean, they got so many guys out, but they're still fighting. Like Kenny Dillingham doing his thing. This is this is crazy. Double O'Neill jumped in already in the chat. He said, "Give me Washington and Oregon." Yeah, like I think Washington's offense might be better than USC's. If not, they're just right there, like one and two. But also, like Oregon's offense is really, really good, but Oregon's defense is top notch. And I think Washington's defense is better than USC's. So, and I didn't mean for this to get into a Pac 12 conversation, but I mean, that that's the most entertaining conference right now, right? It is. It, it every, every week, I'm trying to like, man, it is just watching these. Pac-12 teams play. It's like I just don't know what's going to happen, and they're looking so good. Exactly. I got no idea. I got no idea what to expect from this bunch. Uh, Utah looks fantastic one week against UCLA at home, but they go on the road to you know Corvallis, and Corvallis is just a house of horrors for most Pac-12 teams. Uh, Oregon State, by the way, now fourteen and one against the spread in the last fifteen at home. Like they are unbelievable in Corvallis, but Utah's kind of the same at home. Like it, yeah. it's just when you go on the road in this conference, it is brutal. Like and uh, home home field advantage differs depending on where you are, and for whatever reason in that conference, it is legit. I don't mm -hmm. know what the home field advantage for you know USC might be, but some of these places, Corvallis and Salt Lake City, it's pretty serious. It's same with Eugene, right? Eugene's pretty yeah. serious. Seattle, oh yeah. 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 Oh, it's big time stuff. Big time stuff. All right. It's time to dive into the games. So we will start off. Uh, you know, let me go in. I have not shared yet. So let me see if I can. <laughs> uh, what a what a mess this morning has been. Uh, let's see. Let's do our window. Let's do this. And there we go. All right. So we will pop it on the screen here so you can see what we're looking at. Write down the times, of course. And we're going to start with Ole Miss 55, LSU 49. And no, it was not the highest ranked game of the day. It probably wasn't the most watched game of the day. It was a 5 p.m. Central Time kick on ESPN in Oxford, Mississippi. But Huey, over 1,300 total yards here. Uh, this was, yeah, and you can see over on the side there, LSU had 637, Ole Miss had 706. Uh, LSU had a 68% post-game win expectancy in this game. They seemed like they had gotten a handle on things after mm -hmm. Ole Miss had gone up 21-7 to in that first quarter. Yeah. And then, I mean, it, 
it was a tale of of two quarters, really. Ole Miss won the first quarter, twenty-one to seven, and Ole Miss won the fourth quarter, twenty-one to seven, and that got them a six-point victory at home. This was awesome. I mean, Jackson Dart, uh, twenty-six out of thirty-nine passing, three eighty-nine, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, he ran the ball seven times for fifty yards. Quinshawn Judkins, we can go on and take him off the milk carton. We ain't looking for him anymore. 33 carries, 177 yards, one touchdown. This Both teams could do anything that they wanted to on offense. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Like, just the back. This was ping pong on grass, my friend. Uh, what what did you think of this ballgame? So, after the first score, I was like, oh, man, Ole Miss. What, what was it? Ole Miss always plays LSU hard. Oh, yes. they're, they're, it's like teams sometimes they can be the dead last ranked team in the country, but they play certain teams and they play up. And it's like that all the time. Ole Miss will play LSU super hard. And and even if, it, and I was like, oh man, Ole Miss has this like this game. And then come back in the second half. Okay. Oh, you know, LSU coming back. Okay. Coming back. Okay. They've got a handle on it. And then I, I couldn't turn away at fourth quarter. It, it oh, was it's just, just constant. It, it, yeah, the whole it's thing like, was insane. And, and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, like, where was the defense? Like, all the 100 and what is this? 104 points, the most of any time that they've ever played. And it was, <laughs> it, they were running the ball up. It, they were running the ball up the middle, weren't they? Like yes. at the end, just yes, quarterback just run it, and it was. And, and LSU okay. my, had two hundred twenty three yards rushing. Ole Miss had three seventeen. Yeah, it, and my wife is an Ole Miss fan. She went, and she's she's watching the game, screaming. I mean, like I was worried the neighbors were going to call the police because of all the yelling that was. Just how wild it was. I would imagine but, not a whole lot of Ole Miss fans in Texas, right? It, well, funny they recruit here. A, you meet people all over of the course. place that go to LSU. It's, it's crazy, but. Just she's like, wow, they run up the middle. I'm like, they're getting like six yards up the middle, just up the just up every time, anytime they want it. Yes, and And that's the crazy thing. You watch this, and whatever either offense wanted to do, mm -hmm. so long as there was still time on the clock, they could pretty much do it. Yeah, like it's the the LSU secondary is so putrid. That there is, and they got a bunch of guys hurt, and I know that, but they didn't have great guys anyway, right? The fact mm-hmm. that they were down to, they, they were playing Denver Harris, right? The transfer that came in from Texas A&M, and he's a guy that the coaching staff wasn't really bought in on him because he wasn't bought in on the program yet, right? He He's not doing the things he's supposed to do to be able to see the field, but they, they got guys out. So it was like, all right, well, I guess we got to play him, but he none of them really know what they're doing in that secondary because they all transferred in. So it's mm-hmm. not like these are guys that developed and have been coached up in this system. Uh, and Matt House, the defensive coordinator for LSU, is typically, I say typically, he is a really good defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But when you have a weakness that is that glaring, it makes everything else a weakness. Because if you've got a team like Ole Miss that can hit these deep balls, well, then all of a sudden you're playing back off the line which makes it where your offensive line for Ole Miss can get a push up front. So everybody's playing on their heels in defense. Yeah. And it's the same <laughs> thing with that Ole Miss defense, right? It's it, the fact that Alabama held this Ole Miss team to 10 points last week just proves my point 
a hundred times over what I told you last week. Lane Kiffin overthought that ball game. They oh. did not take as many oh. chances as they needed to. And this week they knew, like, we're going to have to take as many chances as possible. You see the uh, the fourth downs, Ole Miss two out of three on fourth down. They went for it multiple times because they knew that they had to have points to win this game. It, it was it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. They, they, they look this, yeah, this week more like just playing. I just, we're, we're just going to play. We're just going to feed off the energy, playing at home. It, oh, I, again, I like Brian Kelly. I, I think he's a very good coach from where, from what central Michigan to Cincinnati to Notre Dame. But it's, I think it's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah. Right. I, I, like you'd see, you see transfer portal success stories, right? Yes. And that's certainly what LSU had last year. But there are some that, okay, it's going to take a little bit because you've got to get the right guys in there. And if mm-hmm. if you transfer in the wrong dudes, well, then all of a sudden your leadership is messed up because you got veterans that maybe aren't leaders. You got, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily the case with LSU, but you know, I, I just think that there are. There's some things that they're going to have to work on, and and they yeah. have not quite figured that out yet. Yeah, they, uh, they like he can get the talent. He, he don't think he has his. Yeah, and and it also kind of boils down to, are you, are you going to find a coach better than him? Really, I always kind of ask that I question know. when your no. team's like, LSU is a pretty elite team. They're they're a very very good team, national champions. You know, you can get good players. Are you going to find a coach better? Then I always kind of ask that. I mean, if you're like a mid tier, yeah, you can get whoever you want. But if you get to these, are you gonna or or, or are you just gonna end up bouncing around? And it's like, well, we're gonna go through a slump for you know twenty years or you know right long ten years because we've had four coaches in here because you can't immediately win. We can't establish something. And it's like, well, you gave up on that guy that was really good. Yes, hundred oh, percent. When if yeah. it, 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 this is more turning into the professionalization, right? Yes. The NFL is so quick to pull the trigger on a coach. In college, it you can't just go out and, you know, hire a bunch of free agents, right? Yeah. And, and now, of course, the transfer portal and NIL oh, yeah. and all that, it's kind of turned into that. But it's like if you, because there's, there's Florida fans that were, you know, ready to give Billy Napier an extension. And yeah. then after... You know, he beats Tennessee, and it's, oh, okay, he's finally figuring it out. Well, then they go on the road to Kentucky and get walloped yeah. yesterday, and we're ready to fire him again. It's like, yeah, guys, it's he's coached for 15 games. Like, yeah. this is going to take a little and while. I, and I think coaches like Kelly, you, you've got to figure out this transfer portal thing. It's, yes. it's changed the game so much. you got to figure this thing out. You get, and he's, some he's certainly getting, figured out some of it, right, yeah. because he, he brought in Jalen Daniels. And or Jaden Daniels, excuse me. God bless. I got to get these. There's so many different damn Daniels in college <laughs> football right now. I'm so irritated. It's JT Daniels and Jalen Daniels and Jaden Daniels. And ugh, one of them didn't play yesterday. And one of them did. <laughs> the one that did ended up losing. So, but yeah, he he's done. He's done some good work in the portal. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, their leading rusher yesterday was Logan Diggs, the running back from Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, of course, your quarterback is the kid from Arizona State, whatever Daniels it is. Uh, you you look at it is really difficult to lose a game 
when, and you can see it on the screen here, you have a 74% success rate on passing. And when you have a 63% success rate rushing the ball, and you hold the other team to 50% and 51%. But it's it's volume, right? Like what we saw in this one, uh, and we're not going to spend as long on the on the other games, but uh, the the plays in this game, I mean, it was just, yeah, I saw it earlier. Where was it? Uh, Ole Miss, 49 and 39, 37 and 38. Okay, so Ole Miss ran uh, a few more plays, like 10 more plays, 12 more plays, whatever it is. It's volume. Like they just, uh, Ole Miss had one less drive, but they had more plays. And I just, uh, this LSU defense is a problem, man. And I don't know what they're going to look like going forward, but you got to be able to get stops. Not everybody's going to play at the same pace and everything. They're not going to be uh, as aggressive as Ole Miss was. But Texas A&M has got dudes. Alabama likes to throw the ball deep. Uh, you still got a bunch of guys that you got to play this year. Maybe not Florida. Florida is the least explosive team in the country. <laughs> but LSU got some dudes, man. They've already beaten Arkansas. There's other teams that they're going to have to deal with that can do this. So is this going to be a team that can compete for the West, or is this defense just going to just going to keep them from being able to achieve really anything better than like an eight and four season? What what are you seeing uh, from LSU for the rest of the year? I mean, I think they're going to get a bowl. They're going to do that. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm probably around eight. And in, in not the season that everyone thought. And and I will say this: Does this affect Florida State? Because they beat LSU early. Can they again? Somebody made this point. Is does that help Florida State beating this team that ends up kind of being like you know the rest of the year? I, I think it still does. I think it still helps the strength of schedule because okay. other teams in the ACC, for sure, uh, have not played anybody close, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But this is, uh, I think it's still a good win for Florida State. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. the dominating factor, the dominating way that they won the game. So yeah. it wasn't like it was some down to the last minute LSU missed an extra point like it was last season. Like, they, they dominated that game in the second half. So... Whew, uh, what a game. Yeah, what a game. Was, I mean, just it, back it was, and forth. That's that's yeah. the kind of game, that Ole Miss LSU game is the kind of game where you can you can go back and rewatch that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. If you, oh. you want to watch the highlight tape of that one, it's going to be about as long as the game is. <laughs> it was just play after play. Uh, let's I, see. I, I did love that controversial call with the touchdown. I said, when he caught that ball, I said he was out. He was out. I yeah. thought he was out. I thought it was. And then I love, if you ever want to watch an Ole Miss game and they make a call like that, all these like whiskey bottles and stuff come flying on the field. <laughs> that is like, I will say the, like, the best thing about Ole Miss is a bad call and they're just like, oh, I, I mean, like all this liquor and beer and stuff flying out there. I remember being there in 2007 and seeing the uh, the red high heels. This was uh, Orgeron's last year. And... Yeah, uh, Alabama game, they called. So Ole Miss completed a pass way down the field, and they called that the receiver had stepped out of bounds on his own, and he was the first one to touch it when he came back into the field to play. So, and Ole Miss fans were livid. 
and I'm talking every kind of liquor bottle, every and, and and the biggest thing, because there's still pictures of it, was the red high heels that were thrown onto the field. <laughs> oh, it's absurd. Oh, it's so absurd. Uh, no, nowhere uh, else does that. It is it that this is a very other, unique thing. other places do throw stuff onto the field, but it's not typically liquor bottles. Yeah, or it, high heels. It's just, I love it though. Hey, yeah, I, yeah, you gotta it, stay on brand. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you get the hand, you get the, you get the neck, you get a good little whip to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenny jumped in. He said Cam Ward is the best quarterback in the country. He said Caleb Williams has one interception. Penix has two. Shadour has two. Drake May has a four, and Cam Ward has zero, and he's uh, four and zero. Oh. Okay, I, hey. I will accept all Washington State love on this show. You know I love the Cougars. Dear God Almighty, I don't know what's going on over here. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to another Pac-12 game. I guess our first of the day, really. USC 48, Colorado 41. Matt, start us off here, because this was absolutely haywire. I know the beginning, everyone's just like, oh, turn the game off. You know, turn it off. Colorado's lost. And Colorado didn't stop fighting. Just coming back, coming back. And Now, to be fair, they never had the ball with a chance to take the lead mm -mm. at any point after the first, or after USC's second touchdown. So at no point, was Colorado in a position to be able to take a lead? This was a 34 to 14 game, a no 34 to seven game, and then a 41 to 14 game. And then they could not stop Colorado in the second half mm -hmm. at all. Uh, third and fourth downs combined, Colorado was 10 of 19. USC never really got there because they had a whole lot of early down success, right? They were only three of nine on third downs, but. This Colorado team, here's, okay, let's talk about sack-adjusted rushing yards, okay? This Colorado team has been putrid in the trenches. They could not run on anybody, and Sean Lewis, who used to coach at Kent State, he is, that veer and shoot that he runs is very good at disguising the offensive line. So you don't have to have a great offensive line. You can, you can kind of hide it by quick passes and, you know, getting the ball out. You know where you're going with the ball almost immediately, and that's what Shadour Sanders has done a lot. Now, he was able in this game to go through progressions, find his guys, but he was also able to run the ball. He uh, he carried the ball 14 times for 50 yards. If you adjust the sack rate, right, sack-adjusted rushing yards, Colorado had 219 yards rushing, 5.2 yards per carry. Now USC was playing, you know, seven back. They were they were just trying to mm -hmm. keep everything in front of them because they were already up 41 to 14. So it was prevent defense for basically the entire second half. But man, it it is it's almost embarrassing if you give up 200 rushing yards to this Colorado offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I cannot I can't get there with USC anymore. Like this was and I know it was in garbage time. Because this thing, it, it's like they had already started to put in the second and third teamers, mm -hmm. and then Colorado started coming back. 
and they started coming back. And you, you look at the second half, and I the second half, Colorado had 56 rushing yards, had 318 total yards. It was it was the first half that Colorado really did their damage running the ball, but it's because they had that secondary so far back, right? They had the linebackers playing back in coverage. They they only had like three or four guys on the line at any point, so they didn't really have a bunch of guys in the box to stop the run. And yeah, Sean Lewis was able to take advantage of it, but I, man, I I don't know I don't know whether to think that Colorado had a great game plan because it, I mean obviously they did especially in the second half but does this say more about USC or Colorado here I was wondering if that says something about USC cuz watching that second half I'm like why are you letting this team come back on it so it, this is a this is another one of those where uh and you and I have talked about this in the past when you take your foot off the gas it is really difficult to like flip a switch and get it going again. Right. Mm-hmm. And this was prime example because they go up 41 to 14 and they scored late third quarter to put it at 48, but they, they could not get anything going after that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like their defense bailed them out on those, on those at the end was stopping them behind, you know, the, was it a sack right there at the end and, like, yep. but it was just kind of like, I was just like a talent level. You had a better, better guys on USC coming after them on that. But, oh, oh I, that, that's, this is what makes me kind of question USC at this point. It's like, why did you just not go in there? J- just 70 points, 80, po- whatever, just run it. You just keep at it. On that's, that's my thought process. Like, why would you not just completely run this thing up? Yeah. Because this is, and that's what I fully expect. Because I, hey, I bet USC minus 21 and a half on this one. Uh, and the reason I did it is because they all knew that this was going to be huge. Like, this is a massive game. And this, I guarantee mm-hmm. you, into this ball game, there's probably, this thing probably peaked at 15 million people watching. Yeah. I mean, just ridiculous numbers. Because so many people saw that, hey, Colorado's making a comeback. So, of course, they're going to flip it over to this. But I, you already knew that there's going to be, a ton of people watching. It's the first game that USC has been able to get like emotionally amped for. Mm-hmm. So you you saw it when they when they got to play their first conference game against Stanford, and they came out and they just absolutely beat them to death early, and then they took their foot off the gas. In this one, you go up, but you know that that offense on the other side of the field can actually do something, unlike Stanford. And you you see the drive chart here on the screen. In the second half, they had two touchdown drives pretty early, but then interception, punt, missed field goal, and then they got the ball at the end. But with Colorado, in that third quarter, they they had two punts, and then it was touchdown. And it was this this was not like some kind of fluky thing. Five plays, seventy five yards. Five plays, seventy five yards. Eleven plays, sixty one yards. Six plays, twenty four yards. Turnover on downs. If they had been able to score there, then USC is in major trouble. Because the very next drive, they go right down the field, ten plays, seventy-eight yards. Like it, it was, it was unbelievable what they were able to do. Uh, we'll pull up the comparison chart again and look at the halves. Yeah, total yards in the second half: Colorado three eighteen, USC one sixty-five. And if you're trying to run the run the game out, 
12 carries for 1.8 yards against this defensive line? For USC? They had 22 rushing yards in the second half. Like, they threw the ball 20 times. So I... <laughs> I cannot figure it out. They were one of five on third down in the second half. Uh, they had 44 plays for Colorado to 32 for USC. Like, this was... This USC team is in trouble. They are in big-time trouble because when they go up against Washington and oh. Oregon and Washington State and whoever else, and I, I yeah. don't remember who else on their schedule. but Do they have Utah or no? They, uh, they don't have divisions this year. No, I think, okay, okay. I think they are playing Utah, but I – Okay. I, I, had, I didn't look that up, but – While you're talking, I'll pull it up. But it, this, this is something else. You know that this game is going to be – Really highly watched because Colorado is hot right now. They're hot. Everybody wants to watch. They're they're which I will say I think Dion is doing a, a great thing. Is you you're just bringing attention to your program. You're going to attract some guys because I want to play for that. I want that swagger. I want that. So you're going to bring some guys in. And so why didn't USC utilize this? It's like, we're going to have a lot of eyes on us. We are going to show how good we are. For Caleb Williams, for the Heisman, for your – let's just show them because we are going to get views on this game. On the – you know, the whole thing with, well, the East Coast people don't get to watch the West Coast games, which I always think is goofy. But it's <laughs> but it, it's like, it's yeah, middle of the day, everyone's going to watch this. Like, Oregon, Oregon seemed to show out. Like, they knew – Oh, yeah, their defense said, absolutely not. You are not going to do anything in our house. You're on a platform. You are looking. You you may be here to watch Colorado, but you're going to watch us beat, you know, play. <laughs> and I just didn't feel like USC did that. Like, they didn't, like, you know, you came to watch them, but you're going you're gonna to be like, whoa, I want to watch this USC team going forward. I, I just didn't feel that. I just didn't feel that. Like, it was, even though Colorado lost, People were still there for Colorado. Yes. And here's the crazy thing is USC is, they're still a really good football team. Oh, they yeah. just make it look so nonchalant on offense. Oh, they do. It's just they... so laissez-faire, right? It's, it's yeah. so easy. And yeah. there's nothing spectacular about it, which is wild to say because Caleb Williams had six touchdowns. Yeah. He had like 400 yards passing. Yeah. The offense was great. But it just it, it felt boring. And for those that want to make the excuse that this was a 9 a.m. body clock game for USC, that, that makes all the sense in the world if you have a sluggish start. They did mm -hmm. not have a, they were up no. 34 to 14 at the half. No. Like <laughs> yeah. USC the second half is what matters here. Yeah. USC gets good players. They always can get good play. I mean, I lived I lived nearby when I was in grad school. So it was, they could, yeah, it, it was no, it was like, yeah, you get real good players. You, you're going to have a good team. And it's, yeah, it's not like they were a bad team at whatsoever. It's just. It, it's the rest wow of their schedule, anybody. by the way, is on the screen here. Yeah. Arizona at Notre Dame, Ooh. Utah at Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA to close out. And then they have a an off week before the Pac-12 championship game because of their because of the scheduling uh, uh, not screw up but change right so they had to play week zero instead uh, but yeah they they have a bye week right before the Pac-12 championship game 
I don't know that they make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. Utah right there. Cam Rising should be back by October 21st, we think. Fingers crossed, of course, obviously. But um, this, which, by the way, uh, apparently there's some stuff going around that Cam Rising might not play at all this year uh, from a torn ACL in January. You heard about that? I heard, no, I was kind of wondering about him. That you had, so, yeah, Utah game and all like. The thought process is that they were going to hold him out until the bye week, which is this coming week for Utah. And, but the latest stuff is like apparently there's now parents involved and there's differing opinions as far as, you know, uh, medical guys. And he may not come back at all this year. So who knows? Who knows what's up with that? But either way, Utah still got a, a tough defense. So that's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Arizona, that's not the easiest game in the world. Uh, at Notre Dame, after that, Utah, at Cal, Washington, at Oregon, and then UCLA. They could lose any one of those. Any one of those, it, games, even the Cal and, or, uh, Cal and uh, Arizona games. Yeah. I, Just, I think that Notre Dame game is going to be pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's going to be oh, That's going to be fun. Uh, it's crazy. Up, they got it, Washington. That's all like Washington on their homecoming. Man, why, why, do, why do teams do You don't ever play like a good – you don't you don't play like a good team on your homecoming. You got like, come me. Come on. You got me. We I remember in high school, we played a team on their homecoming and beat the snot out of them and knocked their quarterback out of the game in like the second – I mean, just like <laughs> ran over – like it was like embarrassing, and we found out like it was their homecoming. Like, oh. And I've always kind of wondered, like, why do you why, – Why would you schedule a good team on homecoming? That's a, you got me. Now, it might just be the way that the schedule set up. Yeah, this is how it falls. Yeah, because yeah, you're right like, into you you're right into conference play, and you might want to do Arizona as your homecoming, yeah. like in the middle of the like first weekend of October. But that's Trojan Family Weekend. Uh, and then, do you want to do Utah or Washington? Well, in the in years past, before this schedule was created, Washington would certainly be the better option before Kalen DeBoer was hired last year. So, and now Washington looks like a CFP contender. And cool. Yeah. It is what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, you, you brought up Notre Dame. Let's go on and, uh, let's go on and move over to it. Notre Dame 21, Duke 14, and this was a, a riveting ball game. For, for such a low-scoring game, mm -hmm. this was a lot of fun. And, uh, and we'll go on and pull it up on the screen here so everybody can see the stats and whatnot, but... You want to talk about the most depressing way to lose a game. Uh, you lose with, like, you you give up the the leading touchdown, the, the game-winning touchdown, whatever, with, like, 30 seconds left. And then on the next play, it looks like you lose your quarterback probably for the rest of the year. And it's not just your quarterback. It is, it is your NFL draft caliber quarterback. Mm -hmm. Right? So, Riley Leonard, he was only 12 out of 27 passing, 134 yards, one touchdown, one pick. But he did run the ball 18 times for 88 yards. He was the leading rusher for Duke. And this was bananas. Uh, Notre Dame came out and scored on that first drive. And I thought, okay, we are off to the races. Like, Notre Dame is feeling no hangover. They are ready to go. And, man, it was anything but. Right? So, seven points in that first quarter. And then Notre Dame kicks a field goal in the second quarter. Only had 61 yards in the second quarter. Duke starts to get it figured out in the second half. 192 yards. Uh, 
They had 25 rush attempts in the second half for six yards a carry. In the first half, it was 15 rushes for 2.5 yards per carry. It's a That's a huge difference. Duke's offensive line found something that worked in that second half. But man, Sam Hartman, that last drive, uh, the fourth and 16 play that, that he was able to convert. And if you're Duke, the entire ball game, you have hemmed up Sam Hartman by bringing pressure. And on that fourth and 16, you decide you're going to drop eight? I, why on earth? And he was able to find a hole and rush for 17 yards. You needed 16 on fourth down, and you rush for 17. And that opens it up. And the very next one, it looks like Notre Dame is completely confused. And Audric Estime takes that thing to the house. 30 yards, touchdown, ball game, which is what I thought the I thought that was the advantage for Notre Dame anyway, was being able to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And they didn't they didn't really do it. I mean, 16 carries, 4.2 yards per carry in the first half. In the second half, it was 16 carries, 5.8 yards per carry. But that was only 5.8 because they had that 130-yarder at the end. Mm-hmm. I, this was okay. I, like I, you would think that I would feel better about Notre Dame for coming out of this thing with a win and coming in and getting it done, even after that heartbreaking loss, or whatever. But the way that the game went, right, the the game script where they scored early and then almost got beat because they couldn't get anything done mm-hmm. really after like early in the second quarter. I don't know what to make of this team anymore. And and they got to go to Louisville this week, who is 5-0 and and is probably going to be ranked this week. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I always feel like Notre Dame like right now, it's like a pro team. They just come, we're going to come out here, we're focused, we're going to do our work. And that's what I that's what I see with them. Like it's a disciplined team. They're focused. We're here. We're we're just gonna just hammer. We're gonna do our jobs. It's not super flashy or anything. It doesn't seem like that. Like it's just yes. I, I, I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, I, I yeah I don't know with 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 them going forward. Again, it's like. Can, can you just keep doing this with t- just keep hammering at teams and and just keep winning? Oh, granted, Duke is playing super well, and you were at Duke, yeah. And, and so, and so you had like the crowd is going nuts, and you know, Duke, you know, hey, we're we got a lot of momentum, we're a lot of emotion playing into this, and but it just I don't know. It, it is something about Notre Dame. It's just like, it's just not like this spark. Like you just, yeah. I it's I, I don't know what to make of them. Thirty-two uh, percent success rate for Notre and, Dame and in this game. Maybe and maybe this will play off for Notre Dame. It's like, hey, we're not going to get really up. We're not going to get down. We're going to just stay focused. We're going to stay level-headed and and play so that you're not again not going through those ups and downs. We're, we're going to get in there. We're just going to keep hammering. Don't be too far up. Don't be too far down. Just do it. Do your work. Do your work when you're here. So, and and now that they've got a an actual good quarterback, mm-hmm. they don't lose games like this. So we'll see. We'll see what this team looks I've like seen, because they got. I was like with that quarterback. Oh. Man, I have seen more women fawning over that guy. <laughs> 
uh, probably the most attractive uh, quarterback and head coach combination in the country. I was just like, by far, <laughs> dang man, like, and th- and this is coming from uh, an undisputed, undefeated record of heterosexuality, right? As, yeah. as Dan Wetzel, I believe, would say, uh, right. th- that's two attractive guys, right? <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it's just like perfect. It, it's like, hey, you're you're the you're the quarterback for Notre Dame and you're really handsome and, you know, could probably get any woman that he wanted. And it's like, is that like a status thing of like, man, like <laughs> not everybody gets to do that. No, not at all. And, and, and it's, <laughs> I have, it's just like, you know, ladies that don't have know anything about football, kind of like the whole Taylor Swift Kelch thing. And, but it's just like, oh, look at this guy. I'm like, and you have never watched again. But Grant, yeah, okay, yes, you're gonna watch, but oh, it's insane. It's <laughs> it's wild. It's wild. We uh we got four more games that we're gonna hit on. And uh Clint Moses jumped in. He uh he puts in a beaver, uh <laughs> hit with the beautiful stick instead of the ugly stick. Yes, that's what Notre Dame's yeah. doing this year. <laughs> yeah, oh. they're just shocking everybody with uh with their yeah. good looks. That's what this is. <laughs> Uh, we, we are going to get to the Beavers, uh, towards the end, by the way, uh, we'll, we'll move on, but let's go to the sec because we've only got like 20 minutes left before I got to go get this baby. Uh, oh, this is too fun. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, Georgia 27, Auburn 20 and who boy, uh, Georgia likes to play with fire. I guess this team is obviously not the same team that we have seen over the last few years. Because that Georgia team the last two years would not have allowed 234 sack-adjusted rushing yards to Auburn. This is an Auburn team that cannot throw the football, and yet Georgia could not stop the rush. 88 passing yards for Auburn. 219 rushing yards. What is happening? Uh, I did not expect this out of Georgia. And they took over in that fourth quarter, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, you, You look at the... Uh, let's see, not the drives. Crap. There we go. All right. So second half, Georgia 275 yards to only 134. And it was all passing. They couldn't run the ball on them. 12 carries for 3.3 yards uh, per carry. 39 total rushing yards for Georgia. 236 passing yards. And of course, if you looked at the stats, you would see Brock Bowers 157 receiving yards with one touchdown, and of course it was the game-winning touchdown. But that last touchdown pass, I'll tell you, I heard the Cover 3 guys talking about this, and they brought up that Carson Beck, like the offensive line was so congratulatory, and it was almost like a sense of relief from Carson Beck, right, the Georgia quarterback, that, hey, he didn't blow it. This was his first road start. He just he wanted to be able to get out here with a win. And he he put the ball exactly where it needed to be for Brock Bowers. But it just it, it Stetson Bennett was the leader of that team for the last two years. And when you lose the leader, you're there's a there's a hole that is left where you are trying to figure out, okay, who is gonna step up and and take this thing over? And it looks like this team has not found somebody to take this team over yet. Is that, is that kind of what it looked like to you? Yeah, like they are a very good. I am kind of wondering that, like this dominant team that ever before the season, they look like, 
Georgia's just going to come through and they're just going to just run through this 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 season, their schedule. They have a clear, easy path to the national championship that they can just run through it. And it's like, I mean, South Carolina, we thought, okay, okay, they're, they're just playing a, a good team now. And now it's like, why are you letting Auburn stick in this game for so long? Like, Texas A&M put their they put their foot on the Auburn throat last week and did not let them up. And Georgia, from the get go, Auburn was ready to roll. Now there is a difference in playing a team at home against playing them in Jordan Hare, right? The issue is for me that Georgia has always had success in Jordan Hare Stadium, Mm -hmm. always. I mean, that's been kind of a home away from home for those guys. So now, all of a sudden, and maybe it's, you know, Hugh Freeze had some different wrinkles in his game. And obviously, they did. I mean, they looked a, they looked a little different. But, oh, like this was just, it, you the win probability going back and forth like this, I mean, you see it right there on your screen. I just, it, it should have never been like that. For a number one team in the country, it should have never been like that. And I don't. I'm curious if Georgia ends up still being the number one team in the country because Michigan took care of business at Nebraska yesterday. Oh, yeah. But I we'll see. We'll see. That, that's that's why I was wondering, like, does this hurt Georgia knocking them down to a two spot? Potentially, I, until Georgia loses, I don't see them yeah. dropping out of like the top three. Uh, and I don't know that there's a lot of chances for them to actually lose. They get Missouri at home this year. They get Ole Miss at home. They got to go to Tennessee. And that's another one of those where you would think, okay, well, Georgia has that Tennessee team figured out because of last year. But, like, this Georgia team doesn't have Jalen Carter on the defensive line anymore. Like, they just – if Tennessee can run the ball and they'll be able to do it at home in Knoxville against at least this Georgia team. The, the good part for Georgia is they don't have to do that until late November. So they got a long time to be able to build this thing up. Mm. But, whew, this was – this was surprising. This was interesting. Yeah. And, so. and I also wonder too, like how, how much was Auburn playing up coming oh, in, just, playing the number one team. We have home. nothing to lose. We can play, you know, and, and that's what I feel like. If you are a, again, top 10 team, number one team, teams are going to play up to you. You cannot play down to them and say, Hey, maybe we can, we can spoil the party for you. And you get that thing. <laughs> we knocked you out of the national championship. The turnovers uh, for Georgia led to two Auburn touchdowns. Uh, yeah, that'll that'll do it. That'll change mm-hmm. things, obviously. Because uh, the post-game win expectancy in this one, Georgia was 92%. So the stats dictated that Georgia should have won by probably more than they did. Uh, but you typically don't see those kind of mistakes coming from a Georgia team. Mm-mm. And that's, that's where it gets concerning is – Okay, like, what are y'all trying to do here? So, uh, we've got three more to hit, and then we'll try and do a little bit of rapid fire. So, let's go on and run through. Uh, did you watch Baylor yesterday? Baylor 36, <laughs> UCF 35. I would, I, I did watch the game. I watched the highlights. What a I, I turned it world. off. I yeah. had turned it off. I, I didn't think anything about it. I was like, okay, because. The, the Baylor, I mean, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be a pretty good team and just not looking like it. But, but they, like, Blake Shapin came back. But, man, this thing was 35-7 to seven in the third quarter. 
And it was just, it, it, the drive chart will tell you everything you need to know. Touchdown, 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 punt, missed field goal, go to half, touchdown. So there it's 35 to 7. But for Baylor, it was punt, 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 touchdown, fumble, turnover on downs, missed field goal. <laughs> and then you get to the second half, and Baylor has four drives, and they don't miss out on a single score. UCF has an interception and a fumble, another missed field goal. That they, they tried one from 59 yards. I yeah. swear to you, my, my group chat exploded on that fourth and whatever, fourth and 16 play or fourth and whatever it was. I mean, where he's running, he goes yeah. backwards and then somehow completes the pass and get, it, it, was, it was so ridiculous. That's like when you're playing your, your buddy in like Madden or something. And it's like, I got him, and they do some stupid. That's like, there was a glitch and you, you exploited the good. You're not supposed to do that. And it's like, how? Yes. It was nuts. And it still didn't help him win the game. Like, no, it didn't. <laughs> this was very much, uh, this was the Gus Malzahn that I know and love, right? Uh, if you're an Auburn fan, you you know this version of Gus Malzahn. Uh, fourth quarter, Baylor had 192 yards of offense, and UCF had 91. Again, this is very much USC style. They took their foot off the gas and they could not flip the switch to get it going again. And Baylor completely took advantage. Like, this was this was absolutely insane to watch. Baylor scored 26 points in the fourth quarter. I, You got me. You got me. This was 35 to, to 7. Yeah. <laughs> like, why stop? Like, why just... Yes, like I know you're up by four touchdowns, and and technically, in advanced analytics terms, that is considered garbage time. But you can't let up. Like, you'll see it It, again multiple times this year. I guarantee. Baylor has good. That's another thing we said early in the season when they lost to Texas State. Baylor should have won the game because they have better talent, and it's like okay, you know that this is at least to school with good talent. Don't stop. Go up. You know, keep scoring. Keep keep playing. Keep keep. It just it's mind blowing. Absolutely yeah. mind blowing. Uh but good for Baylor because I mean my gosh, yeah. like it, it was looking like Dave Aranda was going to get let go pretty soon. Uh now I don't know. They might have found something. They got shaping back. They've got the quarterback back. Uh, okay. Like I might could see something interesting coming out of this. Um but who? That's a that's a rough one for UCF. First Big Twelve game at home, they were fired up and had a big lead, and to lose it that way, I mean that was brutal, absolutely brutal. Speaking of brutal, a brutal beat for us on the Bet US show. Memphis thirty five, Boise thirty two. Uh, Post game win expectancy. Uh, so I've never seen a discrepancy quite this big. College football data. Um, <laughs> Moses, Aranda has a job in ASMR anytime. Yeah, 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 you're probably right. Uh, Memphis, according to college football data, Memphis had a 90.5% postgame win expectancy. According to Bill Conley's numbers, Memphis had a 24.5% postgame win expectancy. That is two wildly different numbers. Wildly different numbers. So um, we will pull up the stats, and we will take a look at this, and we will 
we will see exactly what happened here. Uh, Memphis had 448 yards of total offense, but they gave up 519. They, you look at sack adjusted yard uh, rushing yards. Yeah, they outrushed Boise, but Boise ended up. Uh, Taylor Green got hurt, and then the Madsen kid came in, the true freshman, and looked unbelievable. 11 to 14 passing, 175 yards, two touchdowns. He was great. Memphis would have never been in a position to win this game had it not been for a blocked field goal that they returned for a touchdown. They were down 17 to 14. They were down 17 to nothing. So the fact that they came back and and got this win is fairly impressive. But they were down 17 to 14. Boise drives down and they're going to kick just a chip shot field goal. Memphis blocks it, bounces right up into the arms of a guy that is already sprinting down the field. And there you go, 21-17. Things change from there. Memphis goes up 28-17. to uh, 17. Boise comes back down, scores a touchdown, 28-25 after the two-point conversion. And we had, so my personal bet on this was Memphis minus two and a half at the beginning of last week. We get to the day of the show, and Sharp Action has taken this thing to Memphis minus three and a half. We give out Memphis minus three and a half on the BetUS show. But we weren't thrilled about it because you don't want to go over that field goal if you don't have to. But day of the show, we you know we decided, all right, we're going to keep it. And they end up winning by three because Memphis scores a touchdown with like a minute 40 left, I think it was. We'll look at the drive chart. Uh, let's see. 216. Two minutes and 16 seconds left. They score a touchdown to go up 35 to, to, to 25. To go up by 10. You just got to get, ah, stop. And Boise comes right back down the field and scores in 39 seconds. Seven plays, 75 yards. Oh, no, 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 sorry. In, in one minute and 37 seconds. That was their time of possession there. It was surgical how they were destroying that prevent defense. Why these teams play prevent defense boggles the mind. Like, what is the purpose of this? Like, you've had decent success all the rest of the, the second and third quarter by playing defense the normal way. And then you get a bigger lead and you go into prevent and they go five plays, 80 yards and 216, and then seven plays, 75 in 137. There was a part of me that was kind of okay with Memphis losing because I, I know that they are talking about Silverfield possibly not leading this football team going forward. But this is one of those situations that I was just livid. Why would you make this? Because if Boise gets the, there's 39 seconds left. If they get the onside kick, they're going to go down and score because you don't know what you're doing on defense. Just but did you watch this game at all or or the I, highlights I did, at least? I, I saw the highlights. <sighs> I mean, play this game and you, you need to play this game like early September. So yeah. those guys from Idaho come down here, come down to the to Memphis and can't breathe because it's so stinking humid. But see, you would think that, but I mean, they did that against Florida State in week one. I don't know, five years ago, six years ago, something like that. Uh, no, no, no. It was like five years ago, Hank Bachmeyer's yeah. first season. And Boise won at Florida State, like 36 to 30. 
and it was 100% humidity, and it was 95 degrees outside. Well, see, that. see, that's the thing. Boise was always able, like, if it's the first game of the year, you get nine months to prepare for it. Yes. But, like, play Memphis like your third game in Memphis, you know, when, you know, make sure, like, a good thunderstorm comes through the day before <laughs> and you can't breathe. Make it yes. a night game so you're getting attacked by mosquitoes. Play to your strengths on that one. Yes, but yeah, just this, something. This was crazy. Uh, it's like back and forth and back and forth. And it's nice seeing Memphis do well. Yeah, I, I will say that it is nice seeing. I mean, well, we they might be kids. the worst eight and four team in the country. Yeah, and I think Parker like, uh, is the first one that told me that. But yeah, that's a hundred percent. But someone said I saw on the highlight. It was like Memphis is like the fourth ranked team in like win percentages over the past couple of years or, or something. It, it was something like Memphis had this, how much they had turned around and how well they are playing, which oh, I'm yeah. like, that's, that's really good. I mean, they were a doormat for so long. Oh yes, absolutely. But th this program from where it was in the last couple of years of Justin Fuente mm -hmm. all through the Mike Norvell era, this, this ain't the same team. No. This ain't the same thing. If you're wanting to get into the Big 12 or whatever other uh, Power 5 conference, this, I mean, you, you got the win. That's mm -hmm. great. But who, if you'd done this against a, a, a little bit better team, you would oh, not yeah. be in this situation. Mm -mm. So just rough, uh, very frustrating from, and, and again, I'm a little biased because obviously I had investment on this one, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but still frustrating. Uh, let's do, let's hit this last one and then we'll kind of rapid fire a couple of things here. Uh, Oregon state 21, Utah seven, Oregon state 99 and a half percent post game win expectancy. And I seriously thought this was a replay. <laughs> Those Friday games, man. I was like, they, uh, they sneak up on you. It was just, <laughs> I was like, is this a replay? Because I thought Utah was. But I'm like, this is a replay. They're replaying a, a previous game to get ready. But nope. watching Oregon State, how the man. So I I had a lot of people going different directions on this. Most of the sharp action was going Oregon State because they are fantastic at home. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Utah, they have been terrible on the road. They had a different quarterback in, mm -hmm. Nate Johnson, true freshman quarterback. 8 of 23 passing, 101 yards, one touchdown. This is the same Utah team that stopped UCLA in Salt Lake City the weekend before, 14-7. to Now, don't get me wrong. The offense is not at all what we were looking at with Utah. But the defense was able to slow down UCLA. In this situation, they gave up 358 yards to Oregon State's offense. 227 passing yards, 131 rushing yards, Oregon State had 11 penalties for 100 yards in this thing. Didn't matter because Utah had less than 200 yards of total offense. 57 rushing yards. I mean, they, they averaged 1.8 yards per carry. Sack adjusted rushing yards, Number they had 88. It was three yards per, per carry. I it, the, the home field advantage, like we talked about before, in the Pac-12 is mind-blowing. This Oregon State team goes up to the Palouse last week and gets their doors blown in most of that game until Washington State takes their foot off the gas, in which case, yeah, we, we saw what happened. Oregon State comes back. It was 38-35. But that was a 35-14 to 14 game going into the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. 
it, right here, Oregon State in Corvallis is unbelievable. Uh, so the, the people that were going back and forth were, DJU, I've seen him in big games against that Utah defense. He's going to make mistakes. He did throw one pick, but for the most part, he was pretty good. Uh, you look at this, 14 out of 25 passing, 204 yards, one touchdown, and he ran the ball six times for 18 yards. That's a successful day in my book. Like, this Beavers team is fantastic, especially at home. Um, the, the problem is they don't play every game at home, and there's still really good teams on the schedule. So yeah. what what did you make of this one on Friday night when you when you thought it was a replay? <laughs> yeah, I was man, Oregon State is fun to watch. Yes. Just how the this slinging the ball around and playing. I was like, man, that that watching this, this really was selling me more and more like the Pac 12 and just how how they are this year. Like they're such a good team. I mean, growing up, you know, SEC, you know, best conference. But watching these guys. Like man, they're looking good. They are playing. They're playing good. They're looking good. It's 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 going to be fun seeing who comes out of out of the Pac-12. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, this this Utah team, I think, can do some big things, mm-hmm. but it's gonna it's gonna take a little while. It's gonna take. They they're gonna have to find. They're gonna have to figure out something on offense. And Andy Ludwig, God bless him, is trying. Uh, but man, there's just not a lot of great options at quarterback right now. So uh, let's do a little rapid fire. We'll start off with the SEC. And we didn't talk about this one earlier. Uh, well, here, we'll start with this. Alabama 40-17 to 17 over Mississippi State. Not much to talk about with this. Jalen Milrow had the best QBR in the conference this week, but that's because he only threw the ball, if I'm not mistaken, like 12 times. So, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, we didn't talk about Tennessee and South Carolina. 41-20, to 20, Tennessee gets the win. Uh you know, Joe Milton, one touchdown, two interceptions, didn't matter because Tennessee was able to run the ball all over South Carolina. That Tennessee crowd was jacked for this one. Like, it, because of what happened last year in Columbia, um, but also just, like, this is the first big Tennessee home game for the season. I I don't think I was super surprised at this, but, I mean, they hung 41 on the board, and South Carolina never really had a prayer in this one. What would you think of this? I didn't see it. <laughs> Did you watch Kentucky, Florida? Yes, I watched Kentucky, Florida. Whoo, Ray Davis, twenty six carries, okay, two hundred eighty yards. Say, I am oh. kind of biased against Tennessee again. SEC fan, I'm just like, mm. yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It, no, Kentucky destroyed. Yeah. Oh, I, I was watching that game just like. Dang, Kentucky sticking it to four straight years. Is that what it is? Uh, three, four, three four, straight. Okay, three straight. But like this, just like just wow. And I'm, I mean, granted, this is a measuring what, stick game yeah, for just, for Mark Stoops yeah. every year. And it's and it's just like the history of SEC. It's like Kentucky doesn't beat these teams, but to see them beat them year after year, it's like. Good for you, Kentucky. I don't want State to play Kentucky this year because I don't think how pretty that's going to be. But oh. they Kentucky gets to play at Georgia this week. That'd be good. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. If that thing was in Lexington, whoo, I'd be worried about Georgia. Because uh, Kentucky's undefeated, right? Yeah, five and zero, five and zero, two and zero in the SEC. So they'll they'll be ranked for that matchup. They're gonna have some. They're gonna they're gonna come in swinging it around. Oh, you they got that right. In, they ain't going to care. 
Uh, Missouri 38 to 21 over Vanderbilt. Uh, Brady Cook looks awesome for Missouri right now. Uh, Luther Burden 11 receptions, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Like he looks like the real deal right now. Uh, Texas A&M 34 to 22 over Arkansas. The air kind of finally went out of the Arkansas keep it close balloon. And I've heard a lot of people talking about this. Sam Pittman's buyout drops considerably if they have a uh, a losing record. Uh, and, and this Arkansas, okay, so this is their third straight loss. So they're now two and three. And you look at their schedule at Ole Miss this week, at mm. Alabama, they host Mississippi State. They play at Florida. They play Auburn, Florida International, and Missouri. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> you have to you have to sneak a win against a Florida or Ole Miss. You're gonna have to sneak three of them. So yeah, let's let's get, get one get over Florida International. Yeah, we'll get on that one. Uh, you get Auburn at home, maybe. Then I mean, you got Mississippi State in there, so maybe like you got State at home, you got Auburn at yeah. home, you got Florida International at home. But Missouri, what do you think three? about Missouri? Oh, wait, no, no, no. We need four because they're two and three. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to have to win. Do you just get all the home games? Like State, Auburn, Florida National, and Missouri? Yeah, you got to get those. I mean, that's right. And like maybe oh. at Florida because like Florida's not anything too crazy. Yeah, you know, um, but I, who knows? Florida probably show up and put 70 points up for some reason. Like when the, the Ole Miss game is always bonkers. So I mean, you, this oh, was like a fifty-two fifty-one game. Oh my game. gosh! Yes, yeah. that that is another one that can just. And they do get Ole Miss coming off of like maybe maybe the biggest win of Lane Kiffin ever, maybe. So, yeah, okay, like that's that's a possibility. I don't know. That's that's going to be a rough one. Uh, so yeah, something to watch out for. I mean, Arkansas might be, they might be looking, mm. they might be looking. We'll see. Uh, the Big Ten. We'll move over to that. Uh, what's our time? I'm already over, of course. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll try and finish up a couple of things. Uh, Michigan 45 to seven over Nebraska. That was just a complete and total shellacking. They're uh, just, 28 to nothing at the half. They're just getting it done. Michigan oh, yeah. just 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 getting it done. No question. Just easy. Yeah. Easy. Just, just showing up. We're we're gonna do it. Uh, Penn State 41 to 13 over Northwestern. This was a 10 to 10 game uh, at halftime. And if you have ever questioned whether or not James Franklin knows what the spread is on a ball game, it 100% proved it at the end of this game where it looked like Drew Aller was going to take a knee and he faked taking the knee. Now, some people <laughs> have said that, and I think the broadcasters actually said that it looked like he was crouching down to maybe do like a quarterback draw. But man, that knee got real close to the ground and <laughs> he hit somebody over the top for that touchdown that uh, they helped him cover 26 and a half. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see Penn State make it to the playoff. Oh, I don't know fun. if they ever will. I, I, I want to make I it because the, the, the atmosphere. Year. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it'd be it'd be awesome. I cannot wait for that Ohio State Penn State game. So oh. I think I think Ohio State. Look, I think Penn State is going to be really really good, and they're going to be a tough out this year. Mm-hmm. Tough out this year. Uh, Minnesota thirty five to twenty four over Louisiana. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Like that's fine. Louisiana a lot better than I thought. Minnesota has Michigan at home next week, so 
something to pay attention to. Maryland moved to five and zero. Five and zero, yeah. Columbus, yeah, they had two Columbus next week. So Maryland and Ohio State. Eh, we'll see. Yeah. Baby Tua, big numbers again. Five touchdown passes. Boy, if he had stayed at Alabama, I, I think that Alabama quarterback room would be in a significantly oh, yeah. better place right now. <laughs> uh, Indiana's in trouble. Like that, that's a team that's in massive trouble. They are. They oh are yeah, great. that was. Uh, speaking of trouble, Brett Bielema's bunch, nineteen <sighs> points on the road at Purdue. They get beat forty-four to nineteen. Uh, the heck, they, this they was. Had- they barely squeaked it out against what uh, Akron, Florida, no, Akron. So, no, it was like two early in the year. They barely squeaked out a win. Um, Toledo, Toledo, Toledo. Yeah, they beat Toledo on a last second field goal, and yeah. they beat uh, Florida Atlantic by six last week. Yeah, so, so they're not. Nope, not good, not good. Uh, Rutgers, of course, another win. They are now four and one. Uh, who would have thought that from Greg Schiano's bunch and Iowa. Uh, they lost their quarterback last night. Cade McNamara was carted off the field. Uh, but Iowa puts up 26 points, 13 of which they got in the fourth quarter. They were down going into the fourth quarter. Uh, but they win 26 to 16. They're now four and one. And uh, yeah, I mean, 26 is one more point than 25. So, okay, Brian Ferentz, let's let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can do. Uh, let's see. What about uh, the Pac-12? Did we miss anybody in the Pac-12? I think we talked about most everything, but yeah, it seems like we talked a lot about them. We'll we'll let it pull up. Uh, here, write the time down. We'll go for five more minutes. Okay, Pac-12, Washington thirty-one, Arizona twenty-four. That was late night. Um, again, you go on the road, you get a win. Okay, uh, Arizona did not have Jaden Delora. Uh, they had the uh, the young backup that looked pretty good. Washington made some mistakes that you're not quite used to in this one so i I don't take too much away from it uh oregon we already talked about oregon 42 to 6 over stanford that was not surprising they again took the foot off the gas uh eh, middle of third quarter somewhere around there and cal got a win 24 to 21 over arizona state this arizona state team plays hard man like they are they're trying but they just ain't got a lot of players they just (laughs) they ain't got a lot of nothing so, uh, yeah, I, we're going to start getting in the next two weeks. We're going to start getting some really big Pac-12 games. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, the ACC. Now, Louisville and NC State played on Friday. Louisville won thirteen to ten. Had two interceptions for uh, uh, Plummer there, but that NC State team is bunk, man. That team is not very good. Like, did you watch any of this one? I missed that one too. It's everyone's always so high and mighty on North Carolina State, and then I always feel like oh. they either. They're not I, good. I don't never know what to make. I, I don't never know what to make of them. Well, they they certainly played better at home than they have thus yeah. far this season. But man, that was uh that was rough. That was just not a not a great one. Uh, Clemson thirty one to fourteen. Hey, they were able to finally finish some drives. And yeah. Like, they didn't make stupid mistakes. I watched that. Uh, and that one's always kind of fun to watch up someone play up in Syracuse. That's always kind of fun to watch, see that field. and. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Syracuse has no wide receivers whatsoever. No. Like, Gary Schrader, could, it, there was nobody for him to throw the ball to. Just just rough. Uh, Bowling Green. Well, let's, let's not skip this. Boston College, 
They eked out a win over Virginia. Cheers to that. Uh, they looked terrible in the first half and came out and scored 17 in the third quarter. So, uh, Bowling Green, 38-27 to 27 over Georgia Tech. What is happening? <laughs> Georgia Tech can actually look like a uh, formidable opponent mm-hmm. going into ACC play, and it's like they just kind of took this one off. Like, Bowling Green was able to drive up and down the field. on This was not fluky. No. Like, they were just the better team. You see that insane catch? Oh, God, yes. How it was like reaching back to get that. That that wasn't like a one hand. It was like reaching back. Wow. Yes. Yes. Bonkers. Uh, Pitt. Pitt is in trouble. Yeah. Virginia Tech is not a good football team. Yeah, here. I saw that. Like, whoa, yeah, thirty-eight twenty-one. Virginia Tech gets the win at home. Uh, but man, like Pitt, you got to figure some stuff out. You got to figure some stuff out. The Nard Dog uh, ain't looking good right now. I'll tell you that he ain't looking good. Uh, and then last one that we'll hit. Uh, let's see, Big Twelve. Always crazy stuff going on in the Big Twelve. Jeez, yes. Write the times down. All right, Big 12. Uh, so BYU and Cincy on Friday night was actually really entertaining. I got up super early with the baby on Saturday morning and rewatched that one. And yeah, the numbers kind of favored Cincy in that one, but BYU is just so ridiculously efficient mm-hmm. that it did not surprise me at all that they won this game. So you look at the first half numbers in that thing, uh, since he outgained them by like 150 yards in that first half, and and they were still down 14 to 10. So, <laughs> uh, Texas 40 to 14 over Kansas, Oklahoma 50 to 20 over Iowa State. Uh, so much for the look ahead spots heading into Red River next yeah. week. Yeah, I mean, just the game day is going to be right here. There you go, right at the Texas State Fair. You going to be out there? You going to have to see uh, all, I don't know. Uh, I don't course know. bunch. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I'm going back to the game because I said if you try to go down to the game, you're just shoulder to shoulder. Oh yeah, with people. It's it's going to be wild. Oh, it's going to be wild. That's going to be crazy game. That's that's. Mm. Uh, Houston and Texas Tech. Dana Holgerson. It, 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 they they looked good in the first half. Mm-hmm. Scored 28 points in the first half. And then did not score again against Texas Tech. Like, what are we doing? So, just frustrating uh, because Houston now two and three. They are zero and two in the Big Twelve. Uh, looks like Houston not going to be very good this year. Uh, but good for Texas Tech. You know, they move up to two and three because they were one and three before that. Um, last one that we'll talk about: West Virginia and TCU. Boy, uh, TCU missing field goals. Uh, just not super efficient in this game. And West Virginia has been able to take advantage of some mishaps by their opponents thus far this season. They are four and one in a year where West Virginia was picked. They're they're two and oh in the Big 12. But this was the year that they were picked to go or to be number 14 in a 14 team Big 12. They were picked dead last, and Neil Brown was pissed about it. And looked like he was probably going to get fired. Last year, right now, looks okay. Uh, Let's look at their schedule. Let's look at their schedule remaining before we get out of here. Uh, Let's see. West Virginia, 4-1. and 
Okay, so they got a win over Pitt, over Texas Tech, over TCU, and of course Duquesne. They lost to Penn State, which looks like a good. I'll leave this. They got Houston. They got looks like a terrible Oklahoma State team mm-hmm. thus far. At UCF, they host BYU. Then they play at Oklahoma. They got Cincy and they got Baylor. Man, this team could probably win seven, eight games. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think they could they could at least get three more. Yeah, that's gonna be an interesting stretch right there. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Okay. Uh, they could win the next two mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, they get those next two. And then get two more between UCF, BYU, Cincy, and Baylor. Yeah, they could do that. Yeah. They Whew, okay. Eight wins. Yeah. Eight win Neil Brown. Save your job, boy. Let's go. I don't know how excited Morgantown's going to be, but eight wins in Morgantown this year would be a pretty big deal. Not too shabby. No. Not too shabby. All right, my friend. Tell everybody where they can find you. Find me on uh, Instagram, Matt underscore PT underscore dip underscore MDT or Strong and Healthy Rehab on all socials. I did want to say one thing. Yes. To to, to your fans out there, Fresno State, 5-0, and oh, number oh, 25. I forgot to mention it last week. And they go to Wyoming this weekend. Oh, yes. I think that's – I'm going to make sure to watch that one. I'm going to find that one. I want to watch that one. But Fresno <laughs> State. Got, had to mention Fresno State. As uh, as Chip Patterson would say, it's going to be windy in Laramie. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I oh, can't wait yes. for that one. Uh, yeah, that uh, one's going to be good. I want to see that one. Tin Horn Production jumped in. He said, uh, what did I say about Georgia Southern? Yeah, he hit me up this week. I uh, I thought that Coastal Carolina could hang in that game just because styles make fights, right? I thought this was a game that Coastal could hang around in. And, yeah, Georgia Southern was a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and they won by 10. So they covered. I made a wrong prediction. He said, Clay Helton has us rocking. Yes. Georgia Southern right now, four and one on the season. They look fantastic in the Sun Belt so far. Only loss is to Wisconsin in a game where they threw five interceptions and only lost by uh, 21 points. So, Daryl Turner jumped in, said a lot of good games in week six. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We got some big ones coming up this week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a fun recap. All right. You guys know what to do. Subscribe, hit the like button, all that good stuff. Tell your friends about the show, if you would so kindly. Um, subscribe to the podcast, of course. YouTube page, all that good stuff. We're getting closer to 10,000. Getting closer to 10,000. Daryl Turner said, I like Georgia Southern. I do, too. I do, too. Um, I could talk good about Troy, but we don't have enough time in the day. So <laughs> that's the way it goes. It's uh, crazy every and every week. Oh, it's, uh, we're just always running up against it, and we're always running along. Yeah. That's the way it goes. way it goes. All right. Uh, go watch some NFL. Do your thing. Continue on. Uh, with that said, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. God bless college football, and hopefully all of you tickets cash this week. Thanks for listening to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure and follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. If you want to toss in a question, you can email me, Gary, at winningcureseverything.com. Make sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time.